Hey gang, Ross Brand here for StreamYard Connect. Welcome everybody to StreamYard Connect. We're going to be talking about audio and voice today. We've got a great guest coming up. Jody Krangle is a voice actor, professional voiceover artist. Uh, she's done commercials and voiceovers for many big brands. She's also a podcaster. Done a little live streaming as well. Uh, very excited to have her on and talk with her in just a little bit. Uh, she'll share some tips about how you can use your voice, but also just any questions you have about audio. We're excited to get into that as well. Uh, again, this is StreamYard Connect. Uh, we're here every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern now. We used to be every other week. We are going every week throughout the summer and hopefully beyond. And I'm Ross Brand. So let's get into StreamYard and get into some updates about StreamYard. And then after that, we will bring on our guests. We'll do a little news as well. And then we will bring on our guest. Hope everybody's doing well. I know these are challenging times in a lot of different ways. Uh, but hopefully this can as well be an escape for the next hour to focus on. Some things that content creators care about, whether you're a podcaster, a video creator, whether you're a live streamer, uh, or you're just in business of any type, uh, doing any type of public speaking, how you use your voice is an important aspect of your presentation. Uh, so uh, we're glad to have you here, and let's get right into it, StreamYard of course, is the app that we're using. You can use it to go live uh, across several different destinations. You can go live on Facebook. You can go live on Periscope, which gets you on Twitter, on LinkedIn Live, on YouTube, and on Twitch. If you're on the basic plan, you can go to two destinations. If you are on the professional, uh, I think it's called the pro plan, you can go to uh, up to five destinations at one time so that is how that works and uh if you're interested in using StreamYard, if you're not using StreamYard yet uh head on over to livestreamuniverse.com slash streamyard livestreamuniverse.com slash streamyard and you can get a free trial uh you can test out all the basic plan features which is pretty much everything other than streaming to five destinations you can stream to two destinations see what it's like to use the overlays and the backgrounds and all the different aspects of Streamyard. of course we have green screens uh i'm not really in a studio so you can see that behind me and uh you have the ease of bringing on a guest which is really one of the things that makes uh this platform so amazing you just send people a link. There's nothing to download. They don't have to sign in. They don't need an account. They just click that link. They pick their, their camera and microphone, and you bring them on in. So uh, thanks so much for joining us as we move along. Uh, we'll just tell you again, as we do every week, the three pillars of StreamYard. You see the founders, uh, Gage Van and Top on the left, and Dan Briggs on the right. It's ease of use. Stability and professional-looking streams. I should also mention that uh, in, addition, in addition to the destinations I talked about, there is also the capability of using RTMP, which enables you to go to any destination that essentially accepts a stream key. There's a stream key and a URL that you need to plug in, 
And one of the updates, there are several different updates. We'll get into the other ones in more in depth. But some destinations, not any of the ones that I've used, I don't think, but some of them may require you to enter a username and a password. Well, now you can do that from within StreamYard as well. So if you're one of the people who uses RTMP to connect to a destination and you need a username and password in addition to entering in your stream key from the destination you're streaming to, you now have that option within StreamYard for everybody else. Just carry on as you've been doing. As we told you, we're, we're on weekly every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. You can watch us on Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live, Twitch, and Periscope. Uh, the addresses are here. I'll put this on social at some point. Uh, a lot of people choose to watch us on Facebook Live, on the StreamYard Facebook page. It's great, but we uh, get the comments in our dashboard from all of the above, including now LinkedIn. We have that integration now with LinkedIn Live, so the comments come in when you go live on LinkedIn. So whatever your favorite platform is of, of these four, you can choose to watch there. You can comment there. And we get the comments, and we're going to bring in your questions today when our guest Jody Krangle joins us in just a few minutes to talk all about audio and voice. And again, uh, we have a great group for uh, StreamYard users and people interested in using StreamYard. It's the Facebook StreamYard community group. You can get your questions answered. Of course, there's support as well if you're a StreamYard customer. Uh, but if you're looking to get a step-by-step walkthrough of how to do different aspects, how to use different aspects, I should say, of StreamYard, we have those options available. Uh, the StreamYard YouTube channel has uh, some great tutorials that Gage put together. I've been doing more tutorials as of late. You can check out my channel as well. So you have two more options uh, for getting somebody to walk you through the actual steps that you take. So let's get to a couple new features. Uh, If you've gone live from a mobile device, you may have noticed that there are black bars on the side. Even when you hold it in landscape, it doesn't fill the full 16 by 9 uh, frame where your video comes in. So StreamYard now has made it possible when you do go live, those from your mobile phone, only in landscape mode, those black bars disappear. And uh, Gage Vandentop, the CEO, made the announcement in the StreamYard town hall over the week. Our first announcement was um, mobile, very on the nose there. Mobile black bars have been uh, removed. So I know that was a common complaint from people was that they would get the, their, their phone in horizontal mode and everything uh, framed correctly, but would be upset that the, the bars were on the side of the screen. So that's now... We now resolve. We now there's now no more black bars. Yeah, pretty self-explanatory. Uh, Gage uh, told you there, and and basically, so now when you go live again, if you go in portrait mode, if you go in vertical video mode, there's no way, obviously, to stretch that video across the screen. But if you go in landscape mode from a phone, uh, if you're a guest. What you do is you paste the link, the same link you would use if you're a guest on a desktop or laptop, but you paste that link into your uh, mobile browser, the native mobile browser. You paste that link in, you'll pick your camera and microphone, or in the case of being on a mobile, you'll just enable your 
your camera and your microphone on your phone. Uh, but then once you come in, if you're holding your camera in uh, a horizontal fashion and landscape, those black bars on the edges will no longer appear. The other uh, addition, which is really helpful, is in the brand tab now where you have your overlays and backgrounds, the titles appear. So if you upload several videos, as I have for this show, uh, you now can easily see which one is which. If you're not playing them in the order that you uploaded them, if you may want to go to them at one point or another, if you lose your place because you've uploaded a whole bunch, now you can see the tags. The key is to give your file, whether it's an image file or it's a video file, to give that file a name that makes it easy to remember two or three words that will easily identify it. In this case, I used brand Gage, who's going to be the person speaking, and Brand Labels. And let's hear from Gage talking about this up. So like Dan said, the, the brand section got a, got a huge overhaul. And part of that was labels for, um, is it just over? It's overlays and backgrounds, Dan? Yep. So yeah, for overlays and backgrounds, you can now... Uh, edit, the, you can now change the labels and edit them, which before I know uh, what would happen is people would have a bunch of videos and they would all look kind of similar. So they would forget which one was itch, which, and I understand it would have been a very, it was definitely a pain because it's like, well, I have no idea which one's which and I'm in the middle of my show. <laughs> so now this is a big help. So again, uh, just label the file, you know, the image file, the video file, when you upload it as an overlay or you upload an image as a background, just label the file with two or three words that remind you of what it is and it'll make it easy when you have to put that piece of content, so to speak, on screen while you are live. This is StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. Let's get to a couple of news items quickly and then we'll get to our guest, Jody Krangle, to talk all about voiceovers and using your voice appropriately, effectively when you are live streaming or podcasting and take your questions about all things audio. There's a new app available. I just signed up today. I'm going to give it a try. It's called Pod Hero, and it's a way to monetize podcasts. The article that I saw that I learned about it from was from Wired, and they talked about it wanting to be a Patreon for podcasts. It's actually a little different than Patreon, because with Patreon, while you pick a creator and then you decide to get a membership or whatever you want to call it, where you, you're funding that creator directly, here you pay the app uh, a small monthly subscription. It's $4.99, I believe, with the option of adding an extra dollar to support the app, uh, and then you based on which podcasts you listen to and you choose to support through the app they divvy up the money that you give uh in your monthly subscription minus whatever the processing fee is for taking the payment they divvy that up among the creators so if you want to only support one person you want to support them with your full amount you would listen to one person's podcast only if you want to support a few of your favorite podcasts then you split up the money amongst those podcasters. Uh, basically, it's open to any podcast that has an RSS feed. It relies on the Apple Podcast API. And so 
Obviously, if you're Joe Rogan and you're getting $100 million already because you're on Spotify only and you're exclusive to Spotify, this isn't an option for you, but I think you'll you'll still be able to put food on the table. Uh, but it's a way for other people, particularly small creators, to perhaps monetize, uh, monetize their podcast. I think it's... A good idea. I think it has some potential. We've seen a lot of these type of apps kind of come and go in the podcasting space that have tried to monetize. We've seen a lot of apps that try to monetize like pay-per-view for uh, average live streaming creators. I don't know if anybody uses those apps, if they've done uh, one-off events or they've done uh, regular subscription events for either live streams or podcasts. And if there's an app you're using, let us know. Is that is that something that you've done? Is that something that's working for you? This is it's another route to uh, making money from your content, other than having a sponsor or having ads delivered within your content, or going out and getting your own ads, doing your own ad reads, partnering with a brand. This is a way for you to do ad free content essentially, and have the subscribers the listeners actually support you so if you're doing way what are you using any of these type of apps for either live streaming or podcasting if you are uh would love to know if is it working for you is it not working for you it seems like a an uphill road for for pod hero but i like the idea it's a nice looking app so uh i tried it i'm and i'm gonna see how it goes over the next month, they have uh, both iOS and Android up already. The other thing I wanted to mention uh, is live streaming levels the playing field. There's, there was an article in Forbes, uh, never mind where it says Source Wired. This is from Forbes, and it talked about how independent country musicians are reaping the benefits of live streaming during the quarantine. And so the big takeaway is... And, and I think most of us who have been doing live streaming understand this on some level, but it's worth putting a highlight over it. And that is, if you're an, an independent, you're a small business person, you're a solo creator, live streaming levels the playing field because you have within yourself, within your budget, you have many of the resources to create the type of content that works on live streaming just as does, say, an artist supported by a big brand, supported by a, a, a record label. Uh, obviously, the record label, the, the bigger business, has the ability to put ad money behind it, which can increase their views and exposure. But the playing field's more level, and a lot of independent artists are doing really well during this time, as are some artists who are on record labels and doing bare-bones sort of unplugged type performances on live stream mixed with interaction of uh and and with their their community so the, the the main point is the barrier to entry for reaching an audience is lowered with live streaming and it's worth thinking about that in a business context if you have say a local business a small business now you have an opportunity to compete a little bit more easily on the same on the same playing field as some bigger companies and bigger budget businesses. Something to think about. Let me know if you agree. Do you do you disagree? Uh, what opportunities do you think live streaming opens the door for 
uh, as a medium letting people compete with one another, uh, regardless of the size of their business. Obviously, for people who are broadcasters like myself, coming from a radio background, the ability to do this from home, where 10 years ago I would have needed to find studio time just to make a demo, and now I can, you know, live stream and podcast with pretty much almost the same quality as I would in a, in a radio studio is, is pretty unbelievable based on what can be done. And uh, we're going to talk to Jody Krangle. She's a voiceover artist in just a couple minutes, and she has her own business and is able to do amazing things. We're going to play some of her recordings as well uh, coming up in just a moment. This is StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's get to our guest. Our guest is Jody Krangle, and I will tell you real quick uh, as I get the the show back on on target here. Jody is a voiceover artist. She provides brands with a world-class sound. She's a podcast host as well. Her podcast is Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. She's worked with a whole bunch of uh, nationally, internationally known clients from Dell to Bose to HD. HGTV, Subway, Craft. She's also a singer and recording artist and the winner of uh, Outstanding Narration Demo Award in 2018. Let's welcome to the show Jody Krangle. Jody, great to have you. Thanks so much for inviting me on, Ross. This is great. Yeah, well, <laughs> your your voice and your your whole thing is fantastic. I, I love listening to the different clips. Uh, oh, on your you. website, and uh, it was it was awesome meeting you at Podfest and having a chance to chat and yeah, uh, get to really know you. We got the wire, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I mean, we really were lucky that we were able yeah. to uh, to get together there because uh, that's really pretty much the last time I've left my house. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We got home on March 10th, and that was it. We were shut down. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, haven't been yeah. out. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about uh what is a voice actor or a voice over artist are they the same are they different what is that and and what do you do as a voice actor voice over artist well i think uh they're they're kind of descriptions of the same thing uh a, a lot of voice actors do different things there are a whole bunch of different genres in this as you can well imagine so right. people who do animation or video games or audiobooks a lot more uh let's say film film theater acting is probably required for those types of projects right and that's not my thing <laughs> so <laughs> i tend to do uh projects that are 5 minutes of finished audio or less mostly in the uh, commercials and corporate narrations and web videos and phone stuff like mm-hmm. IVR trees and on hold. And, uh, you know, in show narration is another one, you know, that's, that was the, uh, the demo that won the award. <laughs> right. Right. That kind of thing. Yeah. So, so um, how do you go about doing uh, your, your voiceovers? Do you have a home studio? Do you go into a studio? Do you have to, do a lot of post production. What is the sort of the process from, you know, you get a script to mm-hmm. hear you have a finished product that ends up in the hands of uh, a brand that might use it in an advertisement or uh, some corporate video or what have you? Well, I wear a lot of hats. <laughs> right, right. 
So uh, I am my own audio engineer for the most part, and I do have a home studio. I've had a home studio for probably 10 years, so I've been well prepared for what happened. And I have a five by four um, made created booth that has insulation on the walls and all of that. I'm in it right now. It's basically my padded booth, wow. <laughs> my padded room, my little padded room. <laughs> um, and, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the equipment here is, you know, I mean, you pay for good equipment so that you right, can right. invest for your clients. I provide audio wave files, whatever format they need only. So I'm not mm-hmm. a producer per se. What I do is I provide clean audio and usually multiple takes of clean audio so that whoever's getting it on the other end has multiple options for whatever it is that they're putting together. I'm right. not a producer though. So I leave that in the hands of the people who are putting the whole project together, who can see the whole picture. So you do a clean, flat recording and you mm-hmm. send it to them and then they mix it however they want to process it, however they need to, to get it to the next to the next stage. Yeah, exactly. What people, I think, don't realize is that this isn't just talking into a mic. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, a lot of what a voice actor does is taking the words on the page and making them sound real because mm-hmm. I'm in a very not real environment right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm in a padded room with headphones on my head and a microphone right. in my face and no one here other than me. <laughs> so if I'm trying to perform a script and make it sound like I'm actually talking to someone or that I'm uh, I'm in some kind of a situation, I have to play that situation out in my head so that it sounds real, so that it doesn't sound like it's put on, you know, so that someone listening would actually believe that I know what I'm saying. <laughs> Right, right. And and that takes coaching and it takes acting and it takes good theater of the mind. And this is something that you do have to learn. Right, right. I, I mean, you have a fantastic voice that comes through right away. Very crisp, very clear, very easy to understand. A <laughs> lot of expression and uh, just very pleasant. Um, is that a requirement for, for being a voice actor or is there a need for all different kinds of voices? There's totally a need for all different types of voices. And my voice might be right for a certain project, but not right for others. You know, if you, mm-hmm. <laughs> my voice is fairly smooth. So if you wanted like a more rough edged kind of, you know, urban sound, you're not going to be asking for me. I mean, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> so, right. You know, I know what I'm good at and other people are better at other things than, you know, that I can't necessarily do. So there are there is room for all sorts of different sounds. Really, it's not how you sound. It's what you do with it. And the coaching Mm -hmm. is what gets you there. And so you had coaching when you were you're getting started. I still have coaching. Oh, wow. (laughs) You don't stop. Oh, no. Right, right, right. So (laughs) it's it's an ongoing process. How long have you been doing voice acting? How did you get into it? Well, I've been doing it since 2007, so I guess this is my 13th year. <laughs> wow. And uh, I got into it because I started volunteering my time at the CNIB, which is the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. And on those days when, when we, that was 95, 96, I didn't know what voiceover was until I started doing that. I, I really didn't understand it at all. And we were still working on reel-to-reel tapes. <laughs> right, right. So it was very different, but it was fun. I really enjoyed it. I liked the tech as much Mm -hmm. as I liked the actual voicing. (laughs) But 
you know, you get interested and I've always liked using my voice. I've been a singer since before I could talk and, uh, and I, I love it. And I always wanted to bring joy with my voice, which is what I can do. You know, everyone has their own strengths right. and weaknesses and, uh, I just enjoy this and yeah, voiceovers allows me to do that on a regular basis. And I love it. I want to bring in a question here. A great question from David Burroughs. He says he's just getting into voice acting for audiobooks, commercials, on hold, etc. Can you suggest the best places to find work? How would an aspiring voiceover actor go into breaking into the business or if they're just getting into it to expanding uh, their opportunities to get paid? Well, the very first thing that I would say is you need a demo and you need a website. And if you don't have either of those, it's really hard to get work. So, mm-hmm. you know, you need your calling card. You need to have a professional right. shingle out there and you need to have examples of what you can do. So if you don't have that yet, you definitely need to get a coach who will tell you who the best demo producers would be and will let you know when you're ready to do that. Otherwise, I would say that you can, well, for instance, LinkedIn is a fantastic way to mm-hmm. connect with with lots of um, professional businesses and people who might have a certain job description that you might be going after, like, for instance, the creative director at an ad agency or a video producer or a content creator. So you can look up these kinds of things on Google, in LinkedIn. Right. You can write to them directly. Um, you don't want to sound desperate. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, just as a baseline. Right, right. Uh, you show them what you can do by giving them a link to your demo and your website. And then, you know, you can go from there. There are directories that you can get some jobs in. Uh, Voice123, VO Planet, Bidalgo is a European-based um, directory like that. Lots of other places do have rosters. So when you're writing directly to people, they might put you on a sort of roster that they have a bunch of people that they may call on for right. auditions if some job comes up. Comes up, I can tell you it's a lot easier to get a job from someone directly than it is through the actual directories, which you pay money to right. be a part of. So you might pay like $400, $500 to be on a directory. And yeah, you'll get auditions, but you're competing with hundreds and hundreds and thousands of other people, some of whom are way more advanced than you. <laughs> right, right. And, and, you know, it could take a long time before you get a job. Whereas if you write to someone directly and they like what you do and, you know, they're willing to reach out to you when they need something, then you're competing with maybe two or three other people as right. opposed to, you know, if you're on a short list, then, you know, and, and also if you have a website that has good SEO, the people that come in off the web who just find you from doing a search right. are, are, <laughs> yeah, Brad, yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, the, the people who come to your website just off of a search are like gold because they've already pretty much decided they want to work with you. It's either right. they've already listened to all your stuff and they want to work with you immediately. And all they need to do is send you a script and figure out what your terms are and what you're charging, et cetera. Or they want you to, to audition with like two or three other people they've looked up. Right. That's way easier than trying to compete on a directory <laughs> with hundreds and thousands of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here, here's a question that I, I hear a lot and I, I've heard a lot over the years and even mm-hmm. more now that more people are using video and audio tools. 
How do you get past this liking the sound of your own voice? That's a good question. I think you need to hear yourself often enough and you need to hear yourself on a recording because Mm -hmm. your voice in your own ears in resonating in your own head sounds completely different from what it sounds like on a recording. It's like some of the filters are taken off and added at the same time because we're hearing what we're hearing based on vibrations and everyone's vibrations are different. So, you know, trying to sort of get past what you're experiencing and try and imagine what someone else is hearing is maybe a way to get past that, but you need to get past it. You know, it's something that time you can get more used to the sound of your own voice and, you know, you don't have to like it necessarily, but you at least need to get past it. (laughs) Right, right. What it is, it's about communicating authentically, however Mm -hmm. you need to do that. So whether or not you like your own voice, if you're communicating authentically, you're still connecting with your audience. Yeah. Now, before we get into a little bit more about using your voice for live streaming, for speaking, Uh how is using your voice for voiceovers different than, for example, being a guest on a talk show, which you are right now, or recording your own podcast, yeah. uh, or speaking in front of a group. How, how do you approach a script, uh, particularly a voice acting script, rather than sort of a monotone reading the news, showing no emotion kind of script? Mm-hmm. But how do you uh, approach a, a commercial script differently than you would promote pr- approach? Easy mm-hmm. for me to say there. Uh, approach. Any other type of uh, of way that we would communicate normally? I think it depends on what the script is. If I'm looking mm-hmm. at a commercial, for instance, and the client has been so kind as to give me a piece of music that they're going to put behind that commercial when right. they've got my audio, oh my God, that is so much easier. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it's just, as a musician, when I hear the music that goes along with something, I can get to that tone that they want almost immediately. It's just... Mm-hmm. It's just how the music makes you feel emotionally and the emotion that you want to convey to your audience. They they kind of become melded together when you hear the music that's going to go along with the audio. But right. I don't always get that audio. So I kind of have to analyze the script before I go through it. And part of that is figuring out how formal or how casual it is. So if they use contractions a lot, then it's more casual. If there are like, you know... Uh, uh, I don't know what you'd call them, like, you know, just like, you knows and, and, right, so, right. you know, like these kinds of things, right? Colloquial. And, yeah, exactly. So if that kind of thing is part of it, then I know it's a more casual script and, and they want a more casual feel. If it's not got any of that, then I know that they maybe want to be a little more formal. And in that case, I may use a different tone of voice, right. but I ultimately want to read the script and see what their intention is with it. And knowing the intention, I can figure out what emotional intensity I need to use. So it's kind of a, it's a, it's a shorthand. A lot of times the text itself will give me all the clues that I need. Right, right. I I like to say when I'm talking about live video, live streaming, that audio is the most important part of your live video, because after all, it's in what we're saying is where the value comes, the entertainment. It's mm-hmm. it's primarily that if the audio goes out, there's really no show. If the video goes out, you can still listen and get much of the value of the show. Well, of that 
audio, the most important part is almost always the human voice because that's mm -hmm. how we're communicating. What advice could you give to people who are live streaming or podcasting and they want to sound better, they want to sound more authoritative, or they want to sound uh, more compelling, more present, whatever it is, they may not even understand what it is that they're getting to. They just know, hey, I could use this instrument that that I was given mm -hmm. better than I am right now and use it in combination with with the equipment and using that well. Like, What are some tips you could give people for you know, some small wins that they could do right away to upgrade their, their sound. Well, one of the things that I would say is something to really study is storytelling. So along with public speaking, of course, mm -hmm. uh, storytelling will get you where you need to go because your information becomes more compelling because you're right. using your voice in a way that draws people in. So you can use silence and you can use like really soft speaking just to get people to lean in a little, you know, and it, it works in a, a compelling way that humans just respond to also smiles. You'd be, you'd be surprised how well a, a simple smile works. And keep in mind that when you're live streaming, you're actually talking to one person, not many people because one right. person is experiencing what you're doing. So it's not, you know, Hey, my people, you know, I mean, it can right. be, but, you know, but, uh, but you really, you want to connect with that one person. So being intimate in a way is, is kind of uh, a way to, to make a, a better connection. But I think like graphics, white space is kind of a good thing to keep in mind. You don't need to be talking every second. <laughs> right. And I think that's a lot of what makes people do the the ums and you knows and all that. Like I, I'm hey, I'm guilty of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but as you get better at this, you'll start to learn what you do to fill in the space, mm -hmm. and then figure out why you're doing it, and maybe not need to do it so often. <laughs> Right, right. And, and I mean, that goes right along with the question Kimmy asked, which is how can we train ourselves to eliminate ums? And, you know, I really struggle yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> I do struggle, too. Uh, it's giving yourself the ability to actually be quiet. So if I don't need right. to fill in the silences, then I don't need to say the ums. But really what you're doing is you're giving yourself time to think. That's what the ums and you knows are all about. <laughs> right, right. So if you give yourself the time and you don't necessarily need to fill in those spaces, you may say that a lot less. I just improved that that really within the last six months, I think, maybe six months to a year. And I, throughout my entire career in radio, I said um and, and you know and all that stuff far, far too much. And... I, really, I was sort of like, well, it's not a problem because I got paid in spite of it. But once you are able to take that breath and slow down just a little bit, because you do want to talk fast, you do want to have some pacing, you do want to have energy, but it's just taking a breath where you need to to keep yourself comfortable, really. I mean, it's it's that it's the breath in place of the ah uh, or the um that we use to fill that moment when we're thinking of what we want to say next, or there's a, 
a break between directions of which we're going and what we're talking yeah. about. It's, it's the idea that I always need to be saying something or I won't have something to say. Mm-hmm. When in fact, when you become comfortable with that silence, it changes everything. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's being comfortable with that silence. And that silence can actually work in your favor because people are leaning in as they wait for you to finish your <laughs> sentence. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, it's it's just something you become used to as you go. And I'm very conscious of it right now. Right. But I will become less conscious of it as I work it out more and it'll become less of a thing. And mm-hmm. then it becomes second nature. How about microphone technique, mm-hmm. recording environment? What would you recommend to people so that they can sound the best wherever they're at right now in terms of developing their voice? Okay, I'm going to say something really controversial here, so I'm warning you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't care what microphone you have. Right. <laughs> it doesn't matter. What your environment is, is what really matters. So if you have a clean non-reflective environment that's not echoey, if you can put yourself in a closet, if you can put a clothes uh, line, whatever that is, like a portable clothesline or whatever, and hang like a blanket over it and put it behind you, talk into a corner and hang like a moving blanket in, in front of that so that you're not getting the sharp angles and you're talking into like you know, heavy wall. <laughs> um, right. And then you're going to get a better sound. It's going to be a lot, a lot cleaner of a sound. So if you notice what my sound is like right now, you'll notice that it's what they call dead. So there's no reflection in here. And the less reflection you have, and I'm not saying it needs to be perfect and you don't need to spend a lot of money on it. You truly don't. But the less reflection you have, the cleaner your sound is going to be and the better whatever mic you have is going to sound. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Do you think it does help though, to have a mic that rejects noise that's away from it? I mean, I've, when I worked in radio, we always used dynamic mics. And so I had actually never really known anything about condenser mics other than see you know having a picture of seeing them on tv and when i saw Mm -hmm. a picture of a recording studio i didn't even know what they were because every mic in radio was dynamic because you you know you get you have a paper here with a a new story you have a guest sitting over here even though the the walls may be treated it's still an environment you're going on your keyboard you're you know it's not the kind of pristine environment like a recording booth for an Mm audio book or something like that um, do you think that does play a part uh, and that some of the mics marketed towards live streamers and podcasters aren't really the right mics for what we're doing? Because I know if I had a like a, a condenser mic uh, that right now, it would be picking up my keyboard, my mouse, my fan. <laughs> yeah. No, it depends on the condenser mic. I'm for right. instance, using a Sennheiser 416 right now. And it is a shotgun mic and it rejects a lot of the background because it's very directional. So it's the type of mic that you'd see on a boom in a film crew. 
And right. the reason that voice actors use this is because it makes the voice pop a little bit for promo specifically. So oh. promo people started using this on a regular basis and it works very well for lower register voices. So I picked that up because I liked how it sounded with my voice, but I like condenser mics because they do pick up the nuance of the human voice a lot more than a dynamic mic does. If you're on a stage and you're screaming into that mic, or, you know, you're, you're singing loudly, you know, in order to get to the back of the room and whatever sound system, you don't need the exact nuances, then right. I'd say a dynamic mic is just fine. But when you're talking about a performance like this, I would almost prefer to hear someone on a condenser mic because I want to know what they really sound like. I don't want it colored by the dynamic. Right, right. And the condenser that you're using, because you mentioned shotgun, mm -hmm. is specifically created to reject noise. Yeah. Um, and and you use it because it has that, that pop to it, as you said, for promos and, and, and such. But you like using it for talk as well. You think it's, oh, a, sure. it's a good mic for just talk shows and... Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. But this is a very expensive mic. The reason right. I have this is because this is how I make my living. I wouldn't Correct. suggest a podcaster go out and spend 1200 bucks on a, you know, on right. a, uh, a Sennheiser 416. That's a little overkill. <laughs> now, if but, you, you know. if you were to put that for video, let's say you didn't want the mic in the shot, mm -hmm. how would that work if you backed it off and lifted it up a little bit? Would it still capture it your up. voice really well? It should pick up quite well. That's what these were designed for. They were designed right, right. on the end of big, long poles while people are recording in a movie set, right? Right, right. <laughs> That's where now, they first found them. <laughs> now, I'm used to seeing them. like uh, a foam windscreen, occasionally a pop filter at the end of the mic. This Looks like you have styrofoam. Is that styrofoam? No, no. This is actually a double mesh. This right here. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it clips tell. on the end, which is where the direction of this mic points. And it points like towards my, the corner of my mouth. So that helps to cut down on any pops as well. Because even if I'm, if, even if I have the windscreen here, it's, you know, you can still pop. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's, right. That's going to happen. But um, having something like, like this that's very directional pointed at a certain direction you can also lessen the s's a bit so it gets less mm -hmm. sibilant and that you know a lot of the angles of the microphone that you're using you can cut down on some of that stuff as well but i would also say that podcasters need to be close enough to their mic so that they don't sound like they're yelling <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and you hear less room noise. You hear less echo and room noise when you're closer on your mic. So if you don't have a pristine environment and you want to cut down on that, being closer, not so close that you're popping every P, but, mm -hmm. you know, close enough that it's intimate. Do you use headphones when you record solo? No. When I'm not okay. in a session with someone and I don't need to hear them in my headphones while they're directing me, no, I have them off. Because it feels more natural to me. Oh, that's interesting. See, I usually keep them on because if I can't hear myself in the headphones, then I just sort of assume that if I'm thinking about talking to somebody, even if I'm just recording, mm -hmm. I'm assuming they're not hearing me and I will get louder and louder oh. and louder. Yeah. But I, I, I do see people doing, uh, you know, recording without headphones when they're solo and their stuff sounds really good. And I started mm -hmm. to think, well, it'd be nice to take these things off. And particularly if I'm doing solo and it's video and mm -hmm. 
I really don't have a, a need to listen to them unless I'm going to play something which I want to get to, which is some of your fantastic work. Let's take a <laughs> listen to uh, some of Jody's demos right here, which uh, I found on her website. Put a little, put some images with them. Uh, let's let's take a listen. I only accept the best. Fancy feast. Now excuse me while I lick something. What five months of spa Sundays? Order NFL Sunday ticket for your guy today. Pfizer, America's trusted brand for everyday drugs. And little blue pills. Zero calories, zero sugar, same great taste. Coca-Cola Zero. We're your neighborhood bank. Chase, for people like you and me. Save the planet with a touch of style. Tesla. Family passes from just $1.99. Experience the magic of Disney today. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! KFC biscuits and gravy, I love you! Why am I at AutoZone? Well, he's not going to change the spark plugs. The gold card from American Express. Apply now at Amex.com. The all-new iMac. Because Game of Thrones memes, am I right? You have a story. Tell it to the world on Facebook Live. Discount madness at Walmart. How much can you save? Wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> How much fun was that? Do you enjoy oh, hearing hearing that back? Do you enjoy hearing your work? Oh, I've heard it enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like the new stuff. <laughs> you like the new stuff? On to the next thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, was, that was great stuff. Um, I want to bring up, while we have a, a chance, uh, you actually have a, a special offer on your website, and I, I wanted to bring that in and... Uh, give people an opportunity if they're interested to take a look. You have uh, an audio branding worksheet mm -hmm. uh, and it's, you can get there by going to audiobrandingpodcast.com, audiobrandingpodcast.com. You also have a podcast called audio branding, which I is do. excellent. And uh, people <laughs> can check that out. Um, tell us a little bit about what audio branding is. Well, I kind of liken it to emotional shorthand. <laughs> so, so the idea is, um, and behind the podcast, is that people don't pay enough attention to the brand that their audio portrays. They seem to pay a lot of attention to their logo and the colors they use and all of that kind of thing. And, and yes, it's important. But if you're not following through with the audio to match that, you're missing out on things. You're leaving money on the table, first of all, and you're not connecting with people the way that you could. Because audio, sound, is such an emotional shorthand for all of us. It doesn't matter what language you speak. You don't need to know the person's language. If you're hearing music that matches your image, mm. it, it also pre-qualifies the people that you want to work with because the people who like your audio are going to want to work with you and the people that don't will be repelled. And that's how <laughs> marketing works, right? You want to attract the people you want to attract. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. So check out that uh, worksheet. It's the audio branding worksheet, audiobrandingpodcast.com. And also, if you're not yet using StreamYard, check out StreamYard free trial, livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard, and you know when when you think about people who are doing a podcast, they're doing live streaming. Should they be looking at audio branding? Should they be thinking about music or 
having somebody else do an intro for them, having a produced intro. Uh, where does that come into play? What are some of the things that should be considered if somebody is thinking about that? You know, how do they weigh? Is that to my advantage? Is it is it going to be helpful? I think it depends on the podcast. So <laughs> if your podcast is very much about you being personal, then I don't know, maybe you should do your own, you know, right. I'm not I, like, I'm a little biased as far as intro outros are concerned. You know, I would, I love doing that kind of work. So, right. you know, I would always say it's a good idea to have one, but at the same time, you want to be you. So whatever your podcast is, you need to sort of decide what your brand is. And I would say that uh, you really want to pay attention to the music that you're using. If you're using any music, you want to pay attention to the sounds that you put in between segments. Maybe some people do that. Some people don't. What I do with my podcast is actually I put a little snippet from later on in the podcast at the very front in order to give people an idea of what they might hear in the whole podcast. And it's typically less than a minute long. And that sort of gives them an idea of what to expect. And then I go into the intro and the intro right. has music, but I do my own intro. Right. So, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's you're different. advertising yourself, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you might as well, yeah. you, you don't want to say here, here is the clip of me sounding great as a host, but hire <laughs> yeah. somebody else as a, as a voiceover artist because yeah. I chose them for my own. So, exactly. you know, they're good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what I've heard before, and I don't know how true this really is, but I've heard that females do a really good job for intro outros for male podcast hosts and the, the vice versa for female hosts. So you'd want to have a male host for a female host, uh, sorry, a male intro outro for a female host. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think the contrast is nice, yeah. but I think it depends on what your podcast is about. And if you want to keep it really informal or it's just you, it's not an interview show and your podcast is five minutes long, you don't want to have an intro outro that's longer than your whole podcast. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so what other ways, uh, obviously, you work uh, doing voiceovers for commercials and mm -hmm. things like that, but for individuals maybe in the community who might want an intro or an mm -hmm. outro, or uh, do you do coaching? What kind of services do you offer to, uh, you know, solo creators and small business folks? Well, I'm not a coach. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but I do know of several very good coaches if someone wants a coach for voiceovers. If you want voiceovers for an intro outro for a podcast, I'm happy to do that as well. I do corporate narrations and commercials and all of that stuff. So web explainer videos, all, you know, anything that you might need that, like I said, is five minutes of finished audio or less. And right. you can reach me at voiceoversandvocals.com. That's terrific. And mm -hmm. When, how often does your podcast come out? Um, I believe it comes out on Wednesday, so you may have a new episode that just dropped. Tell us about what's going on with your podcast. Yeah, uh, my podcast comes out on Wednesday mornings, usually around 7 a.m. Eastern, and every every week. And right now, I am in the middle of an interview. This is the first part of an interview with Rudy Fernandez from Creative Outhouse. So he is a creative director who works with voice talent, who works on projects for clients all the time. He right. is pretty much a radio ad expert. 
he's really, really good at creating that theater of the mind. And we had a fascinating discussion. So uh, I really like examining how audio influences us in advertising and marketing and the psychological aspects of that, how we change our behavior based on it. So I find it really fascinating. Wow. It's great. We've got people coming in. I, I just thought of this as uh, Tim Sohn said he's joining from Northeast Pennsylvania. <laughs> I, I've seen Thailand. I've seen Canada. I've seen people from all over, <laughs> all over the world uh, joining us today, which is just just awesome. Thank you so much for uh, spending time, sharing your insights, sharing your wonderful clips. And uh, helping people as far as uh, getting into either voiceovers or just upgrading their sound for their live streams and their podcasts. It's it's great having you on the show, Jody. Happy to help. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much. That is Jody Krangle. Again, check her out. Jody Krangle. Uh, just throw that into Google. Her website comes right up, and uh, you can check out all of her work and her resources. Also audiobrandingpodcast.com. Check out the podcast, get the free worksheet, and uh, get started audio branding your own work. See how you can elevate that, uh, the quality, elevate the level, and elevate the ability for people to recognize you when they hear that sound. They know it is the sound of your brand, your broadcast, your company. uh, As... uh, Wesley Roderick uh, says uh, audio branding is hot. We've got Costa Rica. Yves joining us from Costa Rica. Uh, James says, thank you, Jody. Some great advice. Uh, Stacy says, thanks for the worksheet. Um, there was a question, and uh, maybe Jody could answer it in the chat, or I could bring Jody back up because there was a, a question uh you okay just nod down there if you're okay if i bring you back up i don't want to surprise you uh jody there was a question about what is a, a good mic uh for the common person as Wesley <laughs> asked. Common person. You know, honestly i would just go with some kind of a usb condenser mic um mm-hmm. that'll plug right into your computer you won't need an audio interface so there's no complications <laughs> and just having some kind of a actual separate mic from your computer or your your earbuds or whatever is going to serve you well you know and the condenser mics work really well for giving up the nuances of your actual voice that's why i like them over dynamics as much as i understand that the dynamics cut out the rest of the stuff that's around you i still feel that your environment is very important to the sound of your mic and you want to deaden that environment as much as possible so less sharp angles and sharp surfaces like like hard surfaces right right and and it, once you do that and you're in a fairly quiet environment first of all noise reduction can be your friend <laughs> <laughs> that's post production <laughs> but you know you, so you may want to actually pay someone a little bit of money to edit your audio you know mm-hmm. that there's a lot that someone can help you with and it doesn't have to cost a whole lot so something right, to right. Something to think about. But yeah, a, a condenser mic that is just a USB mic that plugs right into your computer and, and away you go. Right, right. I go a very different direction on this, but I assume the question was for you. You're the yeah. expert on, on <laughs> voice. So I'm going to let I'm going to let that uh, stand as the final word on microphones and on voice today. Thanks again, Jody. It's, it's great having you on the show. Thanks. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, everybody, thank you. Uh, dot com and it's audiobrandingpodcast.com. Again, if you want to use StreamYard, StreamYard, go to livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard, livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard. And we will tell you about some, some other shows because this is not the only show that we have here uh, from StreamYard. We have the town hall every Sunday night on Facebook Live, it's on YouTube, it's on Periscope, and it's also on LinkedIn Live. That's Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, the StreamYard Town Hall. Dan and Gage, the co-founders, take your questions. They update what's new about the platform and uh, very receptive to hearing what you want for the platform and also what questions you have about using it and then on thursdays at 8 p.m eastern it is Streamyard spotlight on facebook live you can find it on the uh Streamyard facebook page and in the Streamyard community facebook group data bands hosts interviews with uh different users uh Streamyard users and talks to them about how they're doing their broadcasts and how they're using StreamYard. Uh, great chance to get to know some of the people who are a part of the StreamYard community and using this fantastic tool. Again, I'm Ross Brand. This has been StreamYard Connect. Thanks to our guest, Jody Krangle. Thanks to everybody for being a part of it. We'll see you again next week, Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, for StreamYard Connect. Take care, everybody.